Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. Our test is in the stands. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Welcome, 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 everybody, to another edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. Ben Wittenstein with you. Zach Badger House is in the house. Zach, you're in the house. You've got uh, that new setup in the background. I'm trying our, to get versatile, you know, trying to keep it versatile yeah. a little bit. Switch it up every once in a while, you know what I mean? Because last time, you know, you brought out the picture of MJ. I thought I had to spice yeah. it up a little bit for the background, too. Yeah, I got that Michael Jordan picture uh, with that shot against Utah behind me. And now you've got our basketball, the custom basketball that we have, the points in the paint basketball that we have, which is great. Um, And some great pictures as well behind you. And if you're asking how I can even see Zach, we're recording now. So we're going to be posting videos of our conversations um, and and anything we talk about on our Twitter at Points Paint. Um, We'll be doing it on Facebook as well. Uh, You can follow us on all there. Follow Stadium, too. We'll be retweeting those videos. I think we had a a conversation about the Knicks last week uh, that we talked about that we that we put all over Twitter and Facebook. So that was a lot of fun. The Knicks have been hot, Zach. They've been fun to watch. They lost their first game after nine games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day. So we'll be talking about the Knicks in a second, but as a transition, it might be good because we're going to talk about the playoffs right now. And the Knicks are one of those teams yeah. that look like they're pretty well into the playoffs, but it's about that time. We're getting down to the final stretch of the season and people are starting to talk a lot more about that playing tournament. A top story tonight. Oh yeah. Seven through 10. Seven through 10, the number nine seed will play the 10th seed, and the seventh seed will play the eighth seed. That starts May 18th through the 21st, and that's before the uh, official playoffs begin on May 22nd. So it's going to be very interesting to dissect and get into uh, first thing first. I want to ask you, though, as a Chicago Bulls fan, before we even get started, I got to ask this. How do you feel right now? knowing that the New York Knicks are buzzing and trending and are like kind of good right now and relevant, and the Chicago Bulls are trending in the wrong direction. I have to know how you feel about that. It is, it's not a great feeling, that's for sure. It's It doesn't make me feel all glowy inside. It's uh, It hurts, I and mean, it's especially bad uh, because it's Tom Thibodeau who's the one that is doing it for the Knicks, too, <laughs> the former Bulls coach who they got rid of uh, to hire Fred Hoiberg, which was, you know, the worst decision of the 2010s for the yeah. Chicago Bulls out of many bad decisions, probably not the worst, but top three, the worst. But it, it, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because you see the Knicks too, as we talked about last week, they have so many young talent, talented guys, you know, they have RJ Barrett. They have a guy who's in RJ Barrett, who's been improving and been doing really well. Emmanuel quickly, who's been great. Julius Randall, who isn't, I don't, you, you don't consider him like one of the young guys anymore, but he's not a veteran yet. He, he's, he's in the prime of his career, at least starting the prime. 
Yeah, so the, the Knicks have set themselves set themselves up to be a really good team for the next five to ten years. And with the Bulls, they had some of the young guys, wasn't panning out, got rid of some of the younger guys around the trade deadline, brought in some veterans. And I think still the jury is out on how Vucevic and Zach Levine can coexist together. They seem to be doing pretty well. The analytics look pretty good for lineups that they're in together. Okay. But it but it hurts. It, it hurts <laughs> to see the Bulls continually still just fighting for that 10th spot, not even the 8th spot for the playoffs in a normal season. But they're fighting for that 10th seed to get into the play-in tournament. So that has been tough to see. And it's good to see the Knicks winning. It's fun to see Tom Thibodeau doing stuff with this young Knicks team. But as a Bulls fan, and you can see I'm wearing that traveling cocaine circus shirt that was in the uh, Michael Jordan documentary where they talked about the Bulls the, the season Michael Jordan was a rookie. There was a traveling cocaine circus. Yes. So I, I'm riding or dying with the Bulls no matter what they're doing. But it is... Uh, it's it's rough to see right now to to see where the Bulls are at and then to see their former coach Tom Thibodeau doing great stuff with the young guys in New York. So currently, you know, they're they're sitting outside of the playoffs right now, the play-in tournament. They're about 11th or 12th, and they were kind of solid in there. I'll probably probably say three weeks ago, and then to see them not have Zach Levine for a while, I think that's going to hurt them a yep. little bit in that situation. But when you see these other teams that are fighting and clawing for that position, look at the Washington Wizards, right? I mean, yeah, they come, they're coming off a loss, and Bradley Beal dropped 40, and we'll get into that. But they look like a team that can truly be in that playoff position because of the play-in terminator scenario. Yeah, they do. And I've, I, we talked about this in our preseason conversation way back when in the, in the winter, and I talked about how much I like the Wizards and, and how much I thought, at least on paper, they had the chance to look good. And now we have seen them play fully healthy Bradley Beal, fully healthy Russell Westbrook. And most of the team is fully healthy after struggling with COVID issues and injuries early on in the season. They've won eight of their last 10 games. They're eight and two in their last 10. And they're, they're heating up at the exact correct time. They, they have that 10 seed. They're a game in front of the Bulls. And they look like a team that is really running together really well. So, there's, there's teams in that position, in that ninth spot, in that 10th spot, even that eighth spot with the Hornets, who, without LaMelo Ball, have still, you know, been Irrelevant. treading water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they've been treading water for the most part. They're certainly not as good without him, but they haven't completely sunk uh, without him. They're still deep, deep in that playoff spot. So it, it's going to be tough for the Bulls to really make headway, at least to get that 10th or ninth spot. But then also you have to consider, just from a Bulls fan's perspective, they have abilities if they don't make the playoffs to get a top four pick. And when they traded for Vucevic, they traded next year's draft pick, but it was top four protected. So from my perspective, I'm thinking, listen, if you are going to not make the playoffs, Just really don't, yeah, really <laughs> don't make the playoffs. Try to get yourself in a, as good of a spot as possible to get that top four pick, get Jalen Suggs would be great. Get Jalen Suggs if they can, but at least get themselves a top four pick um, for, for something like that, because the play in games, are going to be really fun to watch. I think, I, I think it's going to be fun to see like a wizards team take on uh, the Miami heat team. And, and those two teams who have been pretty hot recently play against each other. And in, in, I think basketball in the NBA needs more games where it's one and done one and you're in and, and one, if one you lose, you're out. Yeah. I, I love this series. Seven game series is a lot of fun. You get a lot of fun storylines. You get the competitiveness, you, you get the fights, 
But one and done, we don't see that a lot in the NBA, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those games. Yeah, and even going, you know, even going out west, you know, we look at the Portland Trailblazers or even the Memphis Grizzlies. These two teams have been kind of battling, even if they're not playing against each other, but just kind of fighting in between those six, seven, and eight spots. And then when you look at you know, what Portland has done as of late, they've kind of trending backwards a little bit. They've lost that six spot and they had it kind of secured for a while. But then they've kind of allowed other teams like Dallas. Now, you know, that's your team. You know, that's your buddy, you know, Luka yeah. Doncic. And so he's played well as of late. I won't lie. They did, I believe, lose their last outing against Sacramento Kings. But mm-hmm. outside of that. I think they're trending in a good way. Just make sure that Porzingis stays healthy, right? I mean, I think that's the biggest issue with them is making sure that, you know, their shooters are going to shoot well and that Porzingis stays healthy. And I think if both of those things happen, they'll definitely be in that position to keep that, you know, sixth spot. But don't be surprised if the Blazers miraculously can go on a run and kind of secure that sixth spot as well because they're still right there, only about a half game back of that sixth spot. Yeah, I I was reading something and it was a quick glance um, that I saw. So don't 100 percent quote me on this, but I think this is the the first season in a long time where you have, I think they said up to 24 teams who have a chance to make the playoffs, which is the most it's been in a long time. And it makes the NBA fun. It's definitely the most fun in terms of that respect that the NBA has been a while. So maybe we'll see more things like these where we'll see a play in tournament or we'll see a chance where you have a nine or a 10 seed be able to come in and have a chance and a shot at the playoffs. And and we'll see what happens with these seven and eight teams because you have teams of coaches like who say, you know, we play well enough to get the seven seed in the, (laughs) in the conference and we still have a shot to not make the playoffs in total. So I understand that viewpoint and saying like, you know, we deserve a shot at the playoffs because we are the seven seed. We're the seventh best team in the conference, but it adds a little bit more drama and it adds a little bit more fun for the fans to watch these one and done games and to have a team in the 10th spot possibly have a shot to make the playoffs. And let's say hypothetically, right? If the Spurs were to keep their spot, you know, the ninth seed or just to stay in the tournament, that can create a lot of attention moving forward and for that first round. And even the Warriors too, right? Like if the Warriors were to get in, that's going to create an amazing uh, atmosphere for whoever's the first spot. That can potentially be an upset if Steph Curry's ever to go bananas in the playoffs against a team like Utah. You know, they get out there, the Warriors, and space the floor out and put your boy, put your boy Rudy Gobert in a tough position. We, you, you know, you never know. There's just so many potential matchups because the, because the seeds are so tight and the race is so tight because New York is fourth, but they can fall. You know, Atlanta can climb. So there's so many tight scenarios. And I'm looking forward to May 18th to really see those results. Yeah, I, I think those games are going to be uh, a lot of fun. And I think they're going to hopefully open up a door in the future for the NBA to maybe do something similar uh, down the road because – Again, you could have an argument for either side, but if these playing games become a ton of fun and dramatic and intense towards the end, I mean, why not keep them in? Why why not add that a little extra flair yeah. towards the playoffs and give you give more teams a chance to make the playoffs too? I agree. And, and, I, and extend that. And you know they were doing it anyway. You know how I felt about it initially when it first happened. Zion, they were all about trying to get Zion in the playoffs yep. as much as they could last yep. season. <laughs> they really were. They wanted him in there. This would be a better year to see him in the playoffs, too, honestly. He's, I mean, compared to last season, Zion is almost, not a completely different player, but he's a lot better than what we saw last season. So he would Point be even more fun. Yeah, Point he would forward. be even more fun. 
All right, you want to talk MVP race for a second? Because we have we, we had two big stories of the week. We had the, the playing games in the playoffs. We want to discuss that. But you put an interesting article in our show, Google Doc. Yeah. Uh, that I found very interesting. And, I know and the, you did. I know you did. Yeah. Because I did. <laughs> and it asked a very interesting question. It did. And it said, it essentially, what was the question that it asked? Should Steph Curry be considered for MVP at this point because of, of his really hot April? In my, we talked about it last week. The answer is no. I'm sorry. I understand that, you know, the relevant, you know, it's relevant right now. He's made like 86 threes for the month of April and everything like that. But overall, the whole ground, the whole groundwork, the whole resume for the season, no question, no. And then to see him top five ahead of guys that have played, you know, more games than he have and have contributed to their team just as much as he's contributed to the Warriors, if not more, man, give me that top five list. <laughs> I I it's I think it's fair to say. I mean, he he's been playing phenomenally, at least, you know, since he also yeah, breaks. So you know, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that at all, you know? It's it's interesting because it seems like we we talk about MVP almost every week because it seems like it kind of fluctuates for the most part. Every single week, but mm-hmm. I would love to see Jokic win. But it, it, it's interesting to see Steph kind of climb way back into this because he has been hot and he has been playing well. And Joel Embiid is back and healthy, and he's doing Joel Embiid stuff, even though he's been mm-hmm. in and out of the in line. and out a little bit, yeah. So listen, I, I think it's fine to put him in the running. I don't think he's gonna win. I think it would be insane if he won, <laughs> and and you would be hearing it all day long on on NBA Twitter, but. To just put out the argument that he's making an MVP case, I think that's fair. Think it's fair? I don't think it's fair. No, you don't. I, just, I don't think it's. I just don't think it's fair. And then the guys who he's above, like that's what makes it even more worse to me. It's like he's above Damian Lillard. I would argue that Damian Lillard, because he's played more games and has contributed contributed to his team just as much as Steph and has a better record than the Golden State Warriors, I would have to put. Damian Lillard above Steph Curry for the MVP race. And I would even argue Chris Paul because the Phoenix Suns have a better record. And the turnaround in terms of wins and losses from the previous year until now, the Phoenix Suns secured a playoff spot about a month ago. And so when you see something like that and and having a guy like Chris Paul added to your roster, that really was the only piece. I mean, you lose Kelly Oubre, sure. But then you get a guy like veteran leadership and Chris Paul and you put put him in a situation with a guy like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, look where they're at in, in the West right now, right? Yeah, what, so second in the West. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that. And and when you talk about the players ahead of him too, right? You you would have Jokic, you would have Embiid, mm-hmm. and I you know I think Dame is definitely in there. So I mean the thing is, could you make an argument for him being a top five MVP candidate this season, or would you say he would be out of the top five of who you would consider for MVP? I understand he's the second leading scorer in the NBA mm-hmm. and he can potentially be the scoring champ. You know, him and Bradley Bill are kind of fighting right now for the scoring title for the NBA regular season. However, and 86 threes, I already mentioned that. But that's OK. I understand. But you have to win. I'm, You know, you really got to win, I feel like. And they're in a play in situation. And, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, they are right now as of late, but they can get out of that situation. I don't think the Warriors are in a scenario where they can, you know, win eight games in a row and still not find themselves in the playing tournament. You know, I still believe that the Portland Trailblazers have an opportunity to still be a top six seed in the West. Yeah, I I, I think 
the argument you make for that is the one that convinces me probably shouldn't be a top top five <laughs> consideration. And, and I don't think we should let the recency bias cloud the judgment yeah. because he's been playing well recently, but didn't have a great start to the season. And you look at Jokic and you look at Embiid, and those are two guys who have just been playing out of their minds all season long when they've been healthy. They've been playing since the first tip off in the winter until now. They have been really, really good. And their teams are deep into the playoff runs. I mean, their teams are both unquestionably going to make the playoffs. The Nuggets are close to being a top three team in the West. And we know how good yeah. the, the 76ers are. They are second in the East. So those two guys are clearly front runners. Then you look at guys like Giannis, who, again, I don't think they're going to give Giannis a third straight MVP, but he's playing he's at least in the right second half in of the mix. season. Yeah, he, he's been right there. He's putting up MVP numbers, and the Bucks are a top three team in the East. So you can't count him out. Um, so you have guys like that. I mean, Luka is on the edge, too. He's been playing really well. The Mavs, though, have been struggling, and there's definitely times Luka does not look like an MVP candidate. <laughs> so you, you, I don't think you can – as much as I love Luka, he yeah. has been honestly getting on my nerves a bit with the way that he's sometimes been playing. And you want to talk about way, it? The we way can that, talk about it. You want to talk about it. We can talk about it. Just have a little, uh, <laughs> little Dallas Mavericks venting session, and maybe it's because I've been betting on them a little bit more Honestly, and watching. Man, I knew that's what it was. <laughs> And just watching them play uh, play horribly sometimes and, and just, oh, God, they've been getting on my nerves sometimes, especially that game against the Kings. Yeah, I knew that's the one specifically. That was rough. <laughs> that was rough to watch. And, and Luka just did not help at all. And there's just a lot of ways that he's he's been annoying me uh, the past couple of months. But I can imagine. He can still turn it on whenever he wants, so he could be an MVP candidate. So it's tough. I, I would put Dame in there. I would put Giannis in there. Obviously, Embiid and Jokic in there. Um you could make the case for CP3 got to be on the ballot now. Make, you got to be on the ballot. If we're making a case for fringe guys, I think CP3 has a much better case than Steph at this point. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. a much better case. He had 20 points against the Knicks, and he had two really clutch shots against the Knicks. It was really more than that. I think he scored like the he scored like the final eight or 12 points down the stretch of that game alone to really, you know, halt that streak by the Knicks. I was so happy. Oh, that was a great game. I don't know if you saw that game, but that was just a great game overall. Yeah, it was. And it was fun because the Knicks were ahead at halftime and, yep. and the Suns, as they have done a good amount this season, they fought their way back. They played really well. Chris Paul, I mean, if you told me he was 27 years old, I'd be like, that makes sense. <laughs> he looks like he's in his late 30, 20s. Hey, he's 35, 36. I saw Cam, you know, our regular, you know, that comes on. He said, he said, and he tweeted, he's representing for the guys that are 35 plus, you know, because, you know, Cam's <laughs> are getting up there too. So he said he's representing. So, yeah, shout out to Chris Paul, man. Still, you know, above just aging like fine wine in the NBA. Yeah, I, I definitely think that he has made his case for sure. Uh, much better than Steph. And Steph has made his case, but top five, I think, is... It's a stretch. Top seven, eight, that's cool, you know, but when you're 30 and 30 or something like that, I don't know, man. I would agree. 100% agree. Uh, all right, let's talk some money, Zach. Let's do uh, let's do a little bit of betting corner. Um, and the Knicks, speaking of the Knicks, making people money still. 39-22-1, and one. they uh, they lead the against-the-spread standings second week in a row. They look good, even though they lost um, against the Suns the other night. They were on a nine-game winning streak. They had covered 12 straight games. They did not they, cover that game. They did not cover that <laughs> game. That is true. They did not cover that game. They went 2-2, two two actually, last week overall in terms of against-the-spread. They were 2-2 two and two overall. Yeah, so they've been – I mean, they've been hot. And I, yeah. I think they will continue to be hot. But – 
again, we talk about with the Knicks specifically because of how bad of a reputation that team has had yep. in the past of just being a bad team. The market hasn't hadn't corrected course for a while. And I think now it's safe to say the market has corrected for the Knicks. So they are going to be appropriately uh, appropriately looked at in the betting market and in terms of the numbers that you're going to get. So tread a little carefully with them. The Memphis Grizzlies, though, that may be yeah. the team that, that the market hasn't corrected for 38-22. They're second against the spread in the standings. They've been pretty good. Betting you want to know why? Jan Jackson is back. Yeah. And with him being back, I don't think Vegas has really considered that just yet. And he's been playing well, and they, he's been the reason why they've been in games and or won some of their games, too. You know, so shout out to Jaron Jackson coming back, Michigan State kid. You know, he's playing great. Uh, I believe he came off the bench to start off, but now I think they're going to try to work him back in a lineup like they did originally last year. And the future's going to be bright for Memphis, man. I'm just, but we talk about him coming back, but we're losing other guys, and we're going to get into that, too. Yeah, and John Morant's been human highlight reel. Oh, yeah. Me. We could do a Acrobat- whole segment on job. <laughs> Acrobatic machine. He just yeah. switch hands left, right, in the middle of the air. It's great to see. The man The man is so fun. Uh, the the uh, Rockets continue to be just god horrible. <laughs> just the worst. Just just really, really bad. And now yeah. the Cavaliers are joining him in the basement. And, and those are two teams who just have just bad situations just going on all around. We didn't even get into the Houston Rockets last week of the details with uh, Bruce Brown and uh, Kevin Porter. I don't know if you know that story, but they were in the club. And, like, I guess Bruce Brown got hit in the head. And then, like, Kevin Porter was, like, defending him. And so they got they got into a little scuffle or whatever. That we should have talked about a little. We should have talked about Bruce Brown a little bit more. Because I didn't find out the details, really, of that story until, like, after the fact. But it was just hilarious to find out, all right, they were in a nightclub in Miami. That step, that's bad right there. And that's why that whole team is just going to go downhill for remainder of the season. I think John Wall was like, yeah, I'm hurt. I'm, I don't want to play anymore the rest of the season because it's just that bad. And so He's out. Yeah, they're going to be the worst team probably for the rest of the season in terms of against the spread. Yeah. So don't, don't touch them. <laughs> don't touch them if you're betting them or maybe even fade them. Fade them every any time. Team, any team that plays them, make sure they cover the spread. Exactly. Um, Cavs two at the bottom. They've been struggling a bit. Um, so that's understandable why, why they've been at the bottom. Um, best over team, New Orleans continues to be uh, that the king of the overs. So always hammer Pelicans overs because most likely you're going to win. They do it 64% of the time, which is Pretty wild. Pretty yeah, good. that's wild. Sneaky number two, the Pacers. Sneaky number two. And yeah. that's weird, right? For them to be an over team, I still – I still can't fathom that idea that the Indiana Pacers are a team that's going to score a lot of points. Or maybe Vegas just haven't caught up to the to the point spread just yet. Because you know what? I did take the over in the, in the last Pacers game that they played. And no, I, matter of fact, I took the under. I took the under and I lost. It was like 216. And I was like, that should go under. But then I was thinking as the game went along, I was like, wow, they probably should have added like 10 more points. And then I would have been more comfortable taking the under if it was at like 226. So, yeah, they definitely have been sneaky good in terms of hitting the oars, the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, Bjorken like does a weird – this weird thing was his defense where he tries to like experiment with different defenses for some reason in the second half. And I think teams have, have caught on and they do a really good job of scoring. And then the Pacers have such a talented offensive players on their team that they can just score too. So that's usually what happens with the Pacers game, why they've been hitting the overs, the underwise uh, golden state and the Lakers at the bottom of the barrel, 
Uh, they're actually tied 39 percent. Mm-hmm. They hit the unders. Um, so those are two teams. If you're betting Golden State, if you're betting the Lakers, uh, hit those unders for sure. Until LeBron comes back. Then when LeBron yep. gets back, then, you know, you may have to take that risk to the opposite direction. They may have to bet the over because right now, you know, with AD even coming back, Anthony Davis is back. However, they still kind of look like them great, great, them, uh, great rec league Lakers that I always mention. <laughs> yeah, defensive heavy, really good. Just they're they're gonna be back to prime time once LeBron Hopefully. gets back. <laughs> we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Um, all right, let's do overreaction. Or no, or no, buddy, 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 buddy. Now I know this might be an overreaction. This may be a stretch. Oh, no. You just let me know. You tell me. We were me just talking you, about this, too. Just talking about this. What you think? Because we didn't even mention them, and I did that on purpose. Yeah. However, since we were talking about the New York Knicks the past two weeks, and Julius Randle has been a good buzz around the NBA. He getting all the interviews on all the shows in the morning, in the afternoon, got his kid out there. So I got to ask. I got to ask, Ben. If the New York Knickerbockers, the New York Knicks, the New York Knicks, if Julius Randle, right, if they get in the top four, should he be considered MVP? I mean, a candidate, at least. At least. Should he be a candidate? At least. If the New York Knicks are top four seed in the East, they finish top four, can he be a candidate? Can he get some votes? I mean, I just want him to get some votes. I, I I think you would have to say yes. I think you would have to say yes. And I think I think you would have to say yes for him over the Steph in that conversation. Too. Absolutely. Because of how good the, if they stay top four, if they're the top four seed, I think absolutely Julius Randle is going to be in the most improved player award conversation. Mm-hmm. I think he's winning that easily because if we're talking about him being an MVP candidate, hundred percent. And I think it's warranted. He's averaging a double, double this season, 24 and 10. And his with, last, with how many assists, how many assists is with it? Like six seven, assists. six, yeah, six, six look at game. that. Yeah. He, he's been incredible. His last 10 games, he's averaging 29 points. He's averaging 8.8 rebounds and six assists. He's shooting 45% from three and 45% from the field. Lights out, man. Lights out. He's playing so well. The bag is secured as far as the most improved player. But I just want to see my man. He may not win the award. You know, if I really had to say who's going to win the award right now, injuries, like, without injuries, it got to be Damian Lillard if they can secure the sixth spot in the West, or it has to be Nikola Jokic, because they didn't start off the season so well either. We remember we talked about that too early on. Nuggets right. didn't start off well, and Jokic, with the help of Jokic, they kind of turned things around, and now they're in a solid position moving towards the playoffs. Yeah, so, so it, it would be fun to see him considered. I 100% think it would be really fun to see him considered. He's not going to win, but yeah, to even like, get on that list to get maybe top five would be a huge, huge boost to him. It would be a huge boost to the Knicks. Because he still, you know, he he still could very much be an MVP contender in the next five years. I'm not saying he's going to win MVP <laughs> in five years. I'm not saying that. Definitely not saying that. But he's 26. Mm-hmm. He's entering his theoretical prime right now. He has probably five more years of being the best version of himself that he can be. And that is right now someone who's averaging a double-double and six assists yeah. as a power forward, essentially, in the NBA. So... 
he could very much well be in that MVP conversation. If the Knicks are good, if the Knicks are a top three seed, they're going to be getting all the press in the whole country for the NBA. Everyone's going to be talking about it. <laughs> He's going to be an MVP candidate every year after this if he plays this well and the Knicks play this well. So he he very well could be a top three MVP candidate in the coming years. If the Knicks get top four this year and he continues to play this way, He's absolutely going to be an MVP candidate in my mind. So I don't think that's an overreaction to say. What's NBA Twitter talking about this week, buddy? What it do, baby? Yeah. A lot of injuries still going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of injuries still going on. Um, and again, we talked about this last week about how people were saying the, the schedule and everything being closer together with the games and a condensed schedule and fewer games have been adding to the injuries. And the NBA said no. Statistics-wise, that's not been happening, but – it's uh, it hurts to see all these players getting injured because you just miss them and watching them and, and knowing that the teams could be playing better, obviously, with with them in the lineup. So I can probably say, Ben, on average of how many basketball games I watch a week, give or take seven days in a week, I probably watch basketball every day. So there's probably at least. 32 to 36 games a week that I watch, you know? So when you're watching these games, I always tell my friends and people that I know that are, you know, NBA fans, I know they don't watch a lot of games though. They just, you know, box scores and highlights, you know, a lot of people are like that nowadays because they can't sit through a whole game. But when guys are hurt, that makes it even more difficult to watch, you know, a whole game, a whole NBA game, especially yeah. when you got a Utah team with a guy like Donovan Mitchell out or a Rockets team who's struggling, but they may be on national TV playing against a really good team. But John Wall's not even available for the Houston Rockets or, you know, Trey Young is is out or, you know, James Harden. I mean, I guess the Brooklyn Nets have sort of a luxury, right? Because if James Harden right. is out... They still have Kyrie if he's going to decide yeah. if he's going to be mentally able to play. And then you got Kevin Durant, you know, who's in and out. But, you know, he can come off the bench at any given moment and drop 30 like it's nothing. So when you right. have when you have all these injuries for certain teams, it can be a, a loss in terms of viewership in the, in, for the NBA. A hundred percent. Yeah. You want your stars to be as healthy as possible. And you want them to be able to play every single night so people can tune in random night not a big nba fan maybe they'll tune in superstars doing crazy stuff you got a new fan for life so you want to be able to do that and i think it's going to be something that they're going to need to introduce in the off season about how to fix um how to do something like that and i know they introduce the ability to rest players just because they need rest without getting in trouble for something like that yeah. so I, I think more steps need to be taken spread out the games more or have fewer games you know Love the NBA. I'll watch as many NBA games as I can. But realistically, a 60-game season is fine. Have 60 games in a season. Spread them out more. Give players one couple more days to rest. Because you just don't want these guys getting hurt all the time. And and if you want players, you know, you talk, you hear people talking about, well, in the 80s and the 90s, you know, Michael Jordan and all these guys, they played every single game. John Stockton did this and he never took a day off. And it's like, well, yeah, but how many players in the NBA lasted until they were 37, 38, 39 and being able to play at a high level? What LeBron James has done, I don't think needs to be an outlier. I think it can be something that every superstar should be able to do eventually. You know, he's the outlier now because he's playing at an MVP level and he still gets hurt this season. He still has troubles this season, but 
he can play at an MVP level at 37, at 38, and probably at 39 and 40. And if that's the case for a lot of these big name players that have the ability to do this, why wouldn't the NBA look at changing something like that, where you have these superstars be able to play later in their careers as, you know, play 60 games a season. It's fine. You have them for longer. Yeah, that's true. Because like, even with Kawhi Leonard, right. You know, he's been battling with all sorts of meticulous injuries. I'm thinking now the latest injury is the foot, you know, so he's battling with that and dealing with that. And other players on the Clippers as well have been in and out, you know, no Patrick Beverly too. And so when you see all these different players that are important to their respective teams, not in the lineup or not available in general, like, like I said, it does have a pushback from like viewership, you know, got people become, people become disinterested. You know, they don't want to really be involved in a game where there's like a bunch of scrubs on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, no, they don't. And you want these guys to last as long as possible instead of retiring by like 34, 35, just because they maybe didn't miss any games because of rest, but their bodies are done just because they played so much. So you want you you want to be able to have like a LeBron James in the league at 42. You want you want that to happen, but you want it to happen for more guys because like I literally cannot imagine an NBA without LeBron James in it at, at this point. point. <laughs> yeah, it would just it would be weird. It, it just is it, it's a very different league if LeBron is his presence is not there. So we'll have to see. And and Steph, Steph is what, 33 and he's we're talking about him maybe being an MVP candidate. So if he's able to take care of his body and he's able to get the rest that he needs, hopefully we maybe can get Steph until he's 40. Like that would be awesome. Instead of him retiring by 36. Still shooting. Still shooting lights out. Still doing Steph stuff at, you know, shooting from midcourt at the age of 40. (laughs) You know what's crazy, though? Somebody else looks like they wants to just give it up and just quit basketball. And that's Kevin Love. (laughs) Kevin Love is out. He's done on this year. He he looks like he is just sick and tired of everything. I'm I'm done. (laughs) Because people were talking about that play on on Twitter. If you didn't see it, it was like an inbounds play where the ref handed Kevin Love the ball back and he just smacked it into into play. He just like this. He was done. He was just like, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I smacked the ball in a play. It got stolen. And obviously the Raptors got it back and they hit the three to go up nine late in the third quarter. A pretty crucial part of the game. And it was just it's a weird clip. If you have time, go look it up on Twitter. Kevin Love apparently like apologized to his teammates about it. Um, J.B. Bickerstaff talked about he had no idea what Kevin Love was thinking for something like that. And all the Twitter detectives and the NBA Twitter detectives out there were talking about how I it seems like he was upset at a call that didn't happen the play before he got like pushed in the back or something and the officials didn't call it and he almost got hurt doing that. And so he was just seemingly upset about that. But so like, you know, when the ref threw him the ball back, it was kind of like a disrespectful thing to do. The ref on his part is what he was thinking, but it didn't look like that. It looked like he was just like, I'm just, done. I'll quit on the team. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm out of Like I'll give up like at this point. Yeah. But I understand it. I think they were saying you're right that he was, he wasn't getting a lot of calls throughout the Toronto game. And so in retaliation to that, he just, you know, threw the ball like disrespectful, disrespectfully to the ref, which is understandable. But from the viewer standpoint, it just looked like, yeah, I'm done. I'm walking off. <laughs> like it just didn't look good, but it was, it's, it's good to know the context of it though. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you could spend a whole episode talking about Kevin Love and how just like forgotten he has become in a way. I mean, he won an NFL or an NBA championship in 2016 with LeBron. He's an NBA champion. He was part of that huge championship team. And 
he's just been stashed away in Cleveland doing his thing, I guess. And and no one really has paid much attention. He's on the second year of a four-year contract, and he's just there. Meanwhile, Bulls fans are counting the games until Denzel Valentine yeah, is he's an unrestricted out. free agent. <laughs> Man, Denzel plays like me, which is not a good thing. <laughs> I make two or three shots, and I'm like, give me the ball. I'm shooting this from half court, and it's going in. I'm hot. Yeah, I'm, I'm hot. hot. I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, Denzel hit. I mean, he had. So the Bulls were up. What? They were Bulls were down five. A minute left to go in the game. They got the ball. Played good defense. When what does yep. Denzel do? Goes three quarters inside the uh, inside the midcourt line and just jacks up a three. Hand in his face and just air balls. Air balls. <laughs> air balls. Just nothing. Hits absolutely nothing except the baseline. And you're just sitting there like, what? What the hell? What are you? Uh, what are you doing, man? It was so funny because like. After that play and after that game, there was a whole like Twitter thread this dude, this Bulls fan had where he was just like, he's the, Denzel Valentine's the worst NBA player in NBA history. And it was just so funny because it even went to like the Drew League. It got to the point where he was talking about uh, Denzel Valentine's rap skills and how we should just focus on rap as opposed to playing in the NBA. And then like my friends were involved and they were sending it and it did like there's other there's other videos from like the Drew League where Frank Nitty, the uh, famous Drew League basketball player, is just cooking Denzel Valentine yep. just all over the court in the summertime. And so it's just like it's so bad to see Denzel Valentine's career go in a direction that it's been going in. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's I just I don't know. He's he's going to be an NBA player for a little bit longer. But I, he, I don't maybe. think the Bulls need him. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not after that shot. Maybe not. Uh, but I, he's one of those players I know Bulls fans are just like, let's let's move on past our Denzel Valentine years and start afresh with someone new. D'Angelo Russell, people are talking about him on Twitter. Yeah, because he got that easy layup because of the missed assignment by who? Yeah, boy, Rudy Gobert. And guess who outplayed Rudy Gobert? Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns had like a double-double with like 20-odd points. And I was happy. And I was looking at the box score, looking at Rudy Gobert throughout the game, too. And he only had about 11 points. And he got out-rebounded, too. He probably only finished with like seven boards because I know he didn't have a double-double. No. So, but that's your boy, though. $200 million man. You know, that's $200 million right there for 11 points and two rebounds. And you get outworked by Carl Anthony Towns, the team with the worst record or close to the worst record. In the West. <laughs> yeah. I, for some reason, the Timberwolves have the Jazz number, and I don't know how. They ha- they have swept them this year. Swept them this year, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand how they can't defend Carl Anthony Towns or better, anyone on their team. better than Rudy Gobert, because he's better than Rudy Gobert. That's why. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess at this point, it's hard to it, – it, listen, we'll see what Rudy Gobert does in the playoffs, and then, and then, I'll, say that I, <laughs> and then I'll say that I was wrong. If Rudy doesn't show up in the playoffs and they don't do anything in the playoffs and they get ousted earlier than people think because Rudy Gobert is playing poorly, I will come on the show and I will say I was 100% wrong about that. He does not deserve the money that he's getting. And I will try to personally call Shaq and tell him he was correct he about that. correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, LeBron returning soon. People oh, yeah. are talking about his return. He could come back, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. Come back for the playoff run, um, because that's really at this point, that's all you need him for. Yeah. He could take the extra days off during the regular season. 
and just play in the playoffs. Just get some conditioning, you know, just get a little conditioning back when those last few games, because he'll probably return with, I'll probably say, give or take six, maybe five games left, probably playing like three or four of those, play a little bit in the last two or maybe not play the last game, do the rest. You know how it goes. I do. Yeah, no, I think that would be smart. Hopefully he gets his conditioning back, like you said, and then he's ready to go for the playoffs. But Twitter's already ready for it. NBA Twitter is. Oh, yeah, he's jogging up and down the court. He can't wait. He's itching to get back out there. So he's he's loving it. Um, All right, let's finish it up with our stat of the week. What's our stat of the week? Stat of the week is one for five, which means out of the six games the Washington Wizards have played in which Bradley Beals drops 40 or more this season, they are one in five. (laughs) That is not good. That's tough. Yeah, that's real tough. And then to see them lose, and he was trying so hard. See, most of the time, too, when he drops the 40 points and does his thing, out there like that because he had a stretch too where he had lost like 11 games in a row when dropping like 40 points before that win so with that win kind of broke a losing streak for him with dropping 40 points but being one in five and then in those scenarios in those games watching those games they're in them they just can't never finish the game like it never just can finish and usually sometimes and i don't want to say this for real but i kind of have to if bradley beal has to go out and score 40 that only can only mean one thing. Russell Westbrook is not playing well offensively in terms of shooting the ball from the field. Yep, that's a great point <laughs> because they got Russell for a reason, and that is to score points. And if he's not doing that and you need Bradley Beal to do it, that's never a good sign. It's not good. So they, for the, I mean, it seems like, too, the Russ and Bradley Beal experiment is starting to work. Yeah, like yeah, we said, mm-hmm. eight and two in their last 10. There could be a fun team to, to hit the playoffs if they win their playing game. So maybe we're starting to see that chemistry develop a little bit more because Bradley Beal is, I mean, he is so fun to watch. I think he really is one of the more underappreciated players in the league because he's always been on the Wizards who haven't really been a marquee team in the NBA, not a huge market. Yep. And he's not a flashy guy. He he doesn't really do a lot of flash and he likes to, I mean, he talked about wanting to stay with the Wizards and not wanting to, to, to be traded and get out to a better team. So you have to respect him from that point of view. Loyalty. <laughs> yeah. The loyalty is there. Yeah. The loyalty is there from him and he just comes and when he's healthy, top player in the NBA. I mean, he's not, oh, yeah. he's, scoring he's title. he can possibly get it. He can possibly yeah. get the scoring title. And, you know, Westbrook can't go nine for 26 from the field. No, absolutely not. You can't have that. Buddy, that's going to do it for this edition of Points in the Paint podcast. I am Zach Badgerhouse. That is my main man, Ben Winstein. You can follow us both on Facebook and on Twitter, respectively. Of course, make sure you follow, listen, and subscribe to the Points in the Paint podcast. Follow us on Twitter, add us on Facebook as well. Stream us wherever you get your podcast. Follow Shams for all your NBA news around the association and check out Stadium Twitter as well. With Eddie and Felder, check out Trash and Treasure coming out every Thursday. Exclusive content, great interviews. And last week, they even talked about Zion's new shoes. I don't know if you saw those shoes yet, buddy, but make sure you uh, get a pick of those. They got about three colorways for those shoes. They talked about that on the last podcast. So if you missed that, check it out. And you'll hear from us next week.